Hi, this is Millie, and you're listening to the Escaping Narcissistic Parents podcast, where you'll find the validation and love you've been looking for. Welcome to my new listeners, and thanks to my loyal friends. Please follow me on Instagram at Escaping Narcissistic Mothers, all one word, and I will put all this in the show notes. Hi, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're having a nice day and a nice week. And I want to apologize for the gap in time. Um, everyone needs a break. Um, I'm having a little bit of a block as far as um, ideas. So if any of you want to DM me, please do. Um, you know that my Instagram, I always put it in the show notes. I put it in, you know, I, I say what it is in the intro. Send me a DM with ideas, right? Um, I don't know what the block is about. It's not about because I've never had a block before where I can't find a topic or I think of something and I go, well, I just made one on that or I really don't want to talk about that. I don't know what's happening, okay, to be completely honest. And it it may just be that this is a difficult thing to be focused on so much of your time, right? To Your whole life seems to be focused on narcissistic parents when when you're me right I have the Instagram page I have the podcast and I've taken breaks before and this time I I just you know it's almost like I I didn't have to say I'm taking a break my my subconscious took the break for me okay if if you can kind of understand what I'm saying. My subconscious is saying, hey, um, you you need a break from this. You need to replenish. You need to um just just not be a hundred percent in narcissistic parents, narcissistic people, right? Um and I haven't been feeling that great physically. You guys know I've been very open about it, that I have an autoimmune disorder. And um, every day I basically wake up, I don't know how I'm going to feel, right? I don't know if I'm going to be in pain or just exhausted to the point where I can't really get out of bed. So all of those things put together have made me just take a, a break from the podcast. Um, I posted something on my Instagram just now and I, and I figured I would talk about that because that's something I have never talked about before. And it's something that in my own life comes up and something that up until just posting this myself, I re- I didn't really understand. I knew what was happening, but I didn't understand why it was happening. And it's this. 
when there is chaos, I feel more comfortable, right? And let me let me put it this way. That's not really the truth. I want peace and I and I truly I have had moments recently where being in the quiet and not thinking about anything has actually happened, which is almost a miracle if you can call it that, you know? Because with me Meditation doesn't always turn out well. Meditation, I do believe in meditation. But if you start the meditation because you're in the middle of a panic attack, it's not going to work. It's gonna, it might make the panic attack worse. It's crazy what your mind can do. And I've had that experience. So don't meditate on purpose. But, and I say on purpose because that feeling where I've been, oh, it's quiet. And, and and a lot of times it's before I go to sleep. I just enjoy the peace and the emptiness in my head, right? Which hardly ever happens for me. That's meditation, even though it's not on purpose, right? I'm not actually repeating a mantra, trying to focus on my breathing. I just am, right? My husband says that to me so many times. Just be. And I'm like, I'm trying to just be, but just being, you know, being me is not easy to be, you know? So it's, it's, it's complicated, right? So the post that I just put on Instagram is about how we crave that craziness, right? How we crave that lack of peace. How we crave that. And to the point where when something else is happening, we might turn to that craziness of the narcissistic situation, whether it's parents or romantic. We talk about it, right? Or worse than that, we had narcissistic parents, mother or father or both. And then we look for that craziness, instability in a romantic partner. Because that's what makes us feel comfortable. Believe it or not, our nervous system is so adapted To always feeling on edge and feeling crazy and feeling, you know, out of whack and and not feeling peaceful and comfortable in the way you're supposed to feel. When you have a parent who cares about you and loves you and comforts you and gives you peace, right? A parent is supposed to just make you feel safe. And we we don't know what that feels like, right? We don't know what feeling safe with, by a parent feels like. Because they made our situations worse. I know with me, I was already in my 40s when I was still talking to my mother. 
And I would call her because I was feeling anxious about something. And I would almost every single time hang up and tell her, I don't know why I called you. I feel worse than I did before. She taught me to feel more anxious. She taught me to look the negative. Wow, see, I'm having kind of an epiphany. To look at the negative side of every situation. She used to tell me that if you meet somebody, if you try to look at their flaws first, you're better off because most likely that's who they are. Not look at a person as a whole and make a judgment by their actions or even your gut. I mean, I I believe in your gut 100%. But if you had a narcissistic mother, she taught you to never mind that gut feeling, right? She taught you to really ignore your gut feeling. What I'm telling you is the truth, not your gut. And I'm learning to listen to my gut more, right? And, and I'm doing really well at it. Um, unfortunately, I don't go out very often because of COVID. Um, I, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say that word. I don't know. But um, I have no, because of my autoimmune disorder, it, it's a little tricky there. If I, can, if I get COVID, I don't know what could happen. Um, so I, I stay home a lot. So it's not like I have all this opportunity, but even over the phone, you know, talking to people, um, I listen to my gut more, you know, I really do. So chaos. So we look for chaos. We want that chaos. That is what we knew growing up. And that is, that is what we attached ourselves to just like other children knew love and caring and what you say matters, you know. For us, it's chaos, right? So that's why we're conditioned to eventually end up with a chaotic, probably narcissistic, romantic partner, okay? Whether we wanted it or not. So what happens to me personally, this is how I see the connection to all of this, is whenever I'm having a bad day or I'm anxious about something else, like next week I have to go see my doctor. Um, I have to have blood work tomorrow and I have to go see the doctor um, about my autoimmune disorder to see how how it's doing, um, talk about different issues I'm having. I'm very anxious about that. So I will start talking or thinking about my mother, my father, who is an enabler, who I'm still, you know, I know I I left things, uh, those podcasts about my father kind of in the air. Um, As far as, you know, we'll see what happens kind of situation. I don't see much changing. What I am looking for, and this is a side note here, 
what I'm looking for um, every few days is I look up his address to see if he sold the house. That's the one thing that I believe he may do. He may sell the house and move. Um, the fact that that house is supposed to go to my daughter would deeply hurt me and her. I know it, you know, regardless of the situation, my daughter would be hurt if my father sold that house, right? I personally don't care. I don't like that house. I never did. Um, when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, it's fine, but this isn't the house I would have chosen, but it was a feeling I had when I walked in the house. And the feeling is my parents live here. Okay. And then as the years went on, it was stronger and stronger. And and just kind of putting one foot in the door would put me in an anxious state and I would have to leave. Um, but anyhow, I don't care about the house personally. And I know it's, it's not the house, but the money, I don't want the hassle. I don't. I'm trying to focus on what me and my husband can do, not what is could. I just don't want anything to do with it. So, um, but I don't want my daughter to be hurt. So I'm hoping that he doesn't sell it. There's that. There's two sides of me. Part of me does want him to sell it because that means he's leaving, and I don't know where he is. And that would be a great relief just to know he's not. 10 minutes away from me. Um, okay, so back to the chaos. Um, so my situation is always, if I'm feeling anxious about something or I'm not having a good day or whatever, I turn to, I want, I'm going to talk about my mother and what she did to me and what happened and finding out about my brothers. And, you know, anything that have to do with that, calms me down and it's awful and I have actually pointed it out to my husband I said I don't understand why that is what calms me down why I can't find another way to calm down to ground myself right there is a very simple way to ground yourself when you're anxious at a low level of anxiety not a super high level if you're super high level you have to let it do its thing. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing. I mean, I am a person who has suffered from severe anxiety and panic. Okay. And I know at what point I can't do anything about it. I just have to just sit back and say, fine, freaking come do what you're going to do. And when I do that, that's when it tends to lessen because I'm not fighting it. Which is the trick to anxiety, right? Not fighting the anxiety because the fear of the anxiety is what causes the anxiety uh, for many of us. Um, so I give myself permission, you know, to be anxious. Fine. Just do what you're going to do. Like I talk to the anxiety like it's a person. Do what you're going to do. Come on. Do, do your best. Come on. Try and kill me. And nothing happens. What happens? I start to calm down. But when you're at a lower level and you're able to really focus and ground yourself, take a deep breath. Remember where you are. Think about where you are. Now, if you happen to be in a situation where the situation you're in is what's causing anxiety, that's not going to help you. (laughs) Right? 
<laughs> because if you're at a job interview and that's what's making you anxious, that's not going to help you. Taking a deep breath and focusing on your breathing may help you. And, and looking down at your feet and going, what color are my shoes? Things that put you back into in, in the moment, even if the moment's not the best moment. But just putting you back into your body and not your head in an interview is usually in the interview even though you're in the waiting room, right? So you want to put yourself where you really are, right? Which is before the interview, look look at the, what color shirt you're wearing or what color the walls are or, you know, whatever, Whatever, just focusing on something to ground you. Anyway, so the big problem with craving chaos in your life is that you end up craving that chaos later on in life with romantic partners. And you end up in a terrible situation because you are now attracting what you don't want. Now... My first husband, look, I say this, I hate saying it because it makes me feel like a bad person, but it's the truth. I didn't really love him when we got married. I didn't. I chose him because I knew who he was before we met. My friend from high school had been on a date with him and she had told me that he was same nationality as me, same religion, went to an all-boy Catholic high school. I went to an all-girl Catholic high school. I knew 100% that my mother would accept him. This wasn't a guy that I met and I, and I had a spark with. This was a guy that I knew who he was and chose. That is not a good way to choose a partner. I'm just going to say that much. I ended up married to him for eight years and he ended up being super toxic. I don't talk to him now at all. I've put my boundary down. You know, I, I kept you know, putting more and more boundaries as my daughter got older. But now the boundary is, I don't, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. That's it. I'm done. So um, that's not my example for looking for chaos, even though I got it there. I got it with him. I did get it. But it was the first guy that I dated after I separated from my ex-husband. That man was chaos in human form. But with him, there was a spark. With him, he was the typical narcissistic man. The one, the textbook kind, okay? Now, back then, I didn't even know what a narcissist was, really. I had just heard it like a lot of people. Although I'm seeing more and more that the true meaning of the of narcissism and parents being narcissistic is being said and shown more and more in television, TV, and movies, and that's really impressive. 
I feel like I'm part of this, you know, movement to educate. And when I see something like that, I know I had nothing to do with it, but I'm part of that. You know, I'm part of the movement to educate people on toxic parents. I'm going to tell you where I saw it, and then I'll go back to what I was saying. Um, I was watching George Carlin, his story, right, of his childhood. For those of you who don't know who George Carlin is, he is... Uh, a stand-up comedian from, he was, I think he came up and was well-known in the 70s and 80s, but his career went up until he died. As a matter of fact, I saw him in here where I live months before he died. Like, I was surprised when I heard that he had died because we had just seen him. Um, and funny enough, he grew up very close to where I lived in New York, and he he was brought up Irish Catholic. I felt a lot of connections with this man, you know. And um, anyway, they they taught him and his brother talk about their mother. Their father was abusive, like physically abusive, you know, the typical drunk, alcoholic, physically abusive father that you hear about all the time. And then the mother, his brother called his his mother a narcissist. And I just, I just turned to my husband, like, did he just say that his mother was a narcissist? Because these are pe- people who grew up in the 50s. Actually, he was born in 37. So he grew up in the 40s. And they're calling their mother a narcissist. I was so impressed by that. I just was. And George Carlin left home when he was 16 or something because she was stifling him. She wanted him to be the person who did what what she wanted, the typical narcissist thing, right? Whatever made her look good. Okay. So back to um, chaotic relationships. So I meet this this guy. I actually met him on on Match.com. And at first, he seemed perfect. Big surprise, right? He seemed perfect, right? He was this uh, single dad. He had two kids. He had full custody of his oldest daughter, who was 13. Um, He had her when he was 18. So me and him are the same age. And she was 13 years old while my daughter was three. Okay. Um, and his son was two. He's going to be three. And I knew he'd been married once, which is where his son came from. But the mother of his daughter was, you know, a girlfriend from high school. Um, it all seemed, he seemed perfect. Like, oh, he has full custody of his daughter. Okay, that, I'm not even going to go into the story. But let's say he got custody not in the best way, okay? For some reason, and this is also well known of narcissistic men, they like to collect children. They have children and they take it, take the kids away from the mother. And that's what he did with his daughter, who 
I got very attached to. I did. She was 13 and I... <sighs> She's in her 20s now. She has two kids of her own. Um, I ran into her a couple of years ago um, with my husband at a botanical gardens and I couldn't believe I was looking at her. But I got very attached to her. One day she just said to me, I want you to be my mom. And that's really hard when you know eventually you're going to break up with her father because there's no other way. This is not going to be a permanent situation. Anyway, so he he seemed perfect. He said all the right things. Um, he knew that my ex was very distant in a lot of ways. I don't want to be too, too um, specific. But he was distant, so he was the opposite, right? Everything I, t- I had opened myself up to him, told him everything my ex was not or was, and he was the opposite, and he seemed perfect. And then there were things started happening that were a little weird that I didn't understand, and that's where the chaos came in. His life was not calm and peaceful in any way even though even now my memory is that it was that way but it wasn't his his life was hectic and chaotic because his ex-wife was in the in the mix and there was issues and stuff was always going on and one time um Something happened. I don't remember exactly. And I and I told him, I'm done. We're over. And he got really drunk. And he kept calling me. And every time he called me, he was slurring his words more. I had to run over there because I didn't know if he was... I mean, how drunk he was. Even his parents, who lived close to me, went. Um, that was the day. So chaos. All right? This is what I got with this man. Chaos does not equal excitement, by the way. Chaos does not equal a spark with the person. Chaos is bad. Chaos is not what you want in your life. So I did eventually, the the relationship was eight months long, and I am to this day grateful to my therapist, to myself, for picking up on his toxicity so early on. Because I was two months away from picking up my life and moving in with him. And it almost happened. And I think about that and I think my life, I may not be here. Right? I may not be here. I don't know what would have happened if I moved in with him. Um, he has been married for one year less than me. So he's been married 13 years. And all I can think is, well, this poor woman 
is stuck with him, I guess. Um, I know that he hasn't changed. I Not once have I ever thought, oh, he's changed. That's why. I've never felt bad in that sense. I felt bad. I feel bad for her because I got to experience just a little bit of what he's like. And she has been married to him 13 years. She's very religious from what I can tell. And I think that's what makes her keep going and I just hope one day she she gets it and wakes up but then he's out there I keep thinking well at least he's married and he's not hurting anybody else he probably is he probably is cheating um because these men that's what these men do um but he's not you know, hurting anybody else in, in like that type of really close relationship where, you know, if, if he becomes single again, it's like, oh my God, there's another guy. And there are so many women in this age group who can't find a man that she, he would have his pick of who to, oh my God, I, I don't know. Anyway, so chaos, (laughs) talking about chaos, um, that's what we crave. Because we don't know better. Because we don't understand. Especially if we have zero clue that our mothers were toxic and made us this way. We crave this and we don't know it. We don't even know that we crave it. I didn't know that I chose him because he was chaotic. Actually chose him because he seemed perfect at first. Who can relate to me, right? (laughs) Right, they seem these narcissists seem so perfect at first. Um, but I crave it now. My mother's been dead since September. Okay, eight months. I said nine, nine months in a in a podcast. I think, but it's eight months. I counted wrong. <laughs> um, this uh, whatever today. I think today's was. Today, that's 22nd and 23rd. September 23rd, she died. So, it's been eight months. And I still crave the chaos. But I don't crave it. I know, I'm aware of it. So, that's the big thing. Knowledge is power, people. So, if you know that you crave chaos, you can stop the chaos. Someone made a comment on that Instagram post. And I couldn't have said what what she said any better. Um, that she learned that she doesn't have to fight in her relationship for everything. She goes, it's not a perfect relationship. And we argue, but it's a healthy argument. And there's a difference between a healthy fight and a destructive fight. And I also know the difference. And if she listens to this, I hope she listens to it. Um, I know the difference as well. In my own marriage, when I went no contact with my mother, I started to notice not only with my husband, but with my daughter, how much less fighting there was. Okay? Part of it was I took away my source of anger 
And that is very helpful to not want that chaos and not need that chaos is to remove the thing that's making you angry. I broke two phones because of my mother. Okay, that's not even a joke. I I told, uh, you know, with my husband, I joke around. I'm like, you see, I haven't broken a phone in, what, 13, 14 years now. I broke two phones because of her. One time, it was it was back before smartphones, <laughs> early two thousands. I had the um, the the thin phone. I now I forgot what it's called. That I loved my phone because my 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 husband bought it for me. We were dating still, but um, he bought that phone for me. I loved the phone. I loved the color. I just loved it. Right, and. I had an argument with my mother and I hung up the phone and literally literally took it and broke it in half. And when I saw what I had done, it's a Motorola, right? The, those thin ones, right, that were... were <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. I can't think of, of what they were called. That's my memory now. Um, I was so angry, I had broken it in half. And when I saw that I broke it, it broke my heart. Because it was something I loved. Something he gave me. I couldn't believe I had done it. And then the second time was over 11 years ago. Because I was packing to move to the house I live in now. And my parents lived like... Two minutes away from my daughter's elementary school. And we had, you know, they do those those um, fundraisers. And the stuff had come in. It was frozen cookie dough. And I couldn't go. I was packing. We were moving that weekend. And I couldn't go pick it up. They lived right there. And I called my mother and I'm like, can you, can you guys go to Emily's school? And pick up the frozen cookie dough and we'll get it later. No, we don't have space for it in the freezer. And I threw, that time it was an iPhone. I threw my new iPhone upside down on a granite countertop and it broke. Thankfully, because it just happened, um, we were able to get a new phone. Like, we didn't say what happened, that it fell. And so two phones, but I'm glad to say that every phone since that phone has not broken because of anger or anything. They've all, I've all, I've always gotten a new phone with the old phone still working. So there is a huge amount of anger that is released and it's, it just, you're not angry because no one's, no one's provoking you on a daily basis. So that will help you with your other parts of your personal life. I realized I was yelling at my daughter so much and I stopped screaming at her. Of course, I have apologized for yelling at her in the first place. But I don't, I stopped yelling at her. And 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 if I was angry at her, I wouldn't I would tell her I'm not not talking to you. I just need a minute 
just give me a little bit of time. Or if she was the one who was upset, I would say, you are allowed to be upset. I want you to be upset. If you're angry, you're angry. If you're sad, you're sad. But, you know, where I would draw the line with her and I would say is you can't be disrespectful just because you are angry. Especially if it wasn't something that happened between us. She was just upset and then she would be nasty to me. No, I didn't like that. But I said it in that way. I learned to be different. And me and my husband, I know I started noticing. I said, we don't fight anymore. I'm not telling you we don't fight ever. That's not true. We fight. It's different fighting. Our fights are about real things now, important things. And usually we end up with some sort of solution. As before, the fight was about anything and there was no solution to be had because there wasn't an issue that we were trying to solve. So yes, that chaos is is everywhere in your life, right? That craving that chaos and bringing it into your marriage or your relationship your your relationship with your kids it it creeps in until you're able to say or, or recognize it get rid of the the issue right which is well if it's mom then it's you have to do something about that you can't just sit there and continue to have a full-on relationship with your mother and expect things to change because they're not going to change. But also knowing that you crave this instability, this chaos, is important because you can kind of say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to have this fight because it's not about anything. It's not an important fight to have, Right? Um, the other day, not that long ago, I was either not feeling well or upset about something else, and I tried to start a fight with my husband, and he called me on it for the first time ever. He said, don't try to start a fight with me because you're upset about whatever it was. I don't remember. And I actually stopped. Instead of that making me furious, which if you're still in the relationship with the narcissist, that is a comment that makes you furious. Like, what do you mean you're going to, what do you mean stop and and that I'm fighting because of something else? I'm fighting because I want to fight with you. I actually stopped, calmed down for a second and thought about it and said, he's right. I'm starting a fight with him. I'm provoking this fight because I don't feel good. And fights make me feel better. I couldn't talk about it for days. I I couldn't bring myself to tell him. But I did. A few days later, I said... Thank you for calling me out that day. 
That's exactly what I want you to do. He was upset because he thought he had done something wrong. So all those days that I didn't tell him, he felt guilty. I said, no, you did the right thing. You called me out on wanting to argue to feel better, to to distract myself. But that's what wanting chaos can do. But you can get to the point. You can get to this point where you recognize when you are looking for the chaos to feel better. And I'm so glad that my husband has been through this with me and can also see it. It's not just me. He sees it too. He sees when I'm craving chaos. So, that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I hope that that was helpful in some way. um, That you recognize the chaos that you may be looking looking for in your own life. Because it is what you know from your childhood. And that you can now start to see it. Recognize the chaos. Recognize that need for it because it's what makes you feel comfortable. Because that's how you grew up with chaos. So I I hope that you can sit there and just think about the things in your life that could have gone maybe differently or maybe not. Don't do that. Don't look back. Look forward. Look forward with the intention of being mindful of those moments where you search out chaos so that you feel better about your situation. Because chaos is what is comfortable. So we need to be uncomfortable. So that in the end, things are just better for us. We need to be uncomfortable. We can't continue the same things, right? It's not just about not talking to the narcissist anymore. It's about the changes we make within ourselves, right? Some things just happen. But some things we have to make happen, and that this is one of them. This is one of the things we have to be mindful of is we're not creating chaos just to feel better. So I hope this, this podcast was helpful. It certainly has been for me. Every time I cry during a podcast, it means I'm letting go of something. I am recognizing that that was painful and I I cried about it and hopefully I it's over right because we have to feel our feelings in order to go through and feel better on the other side so I hope that was helpful I hope that you've learned something I hope that you see 
these patterns and you're able to stop them. And guys, you know, I love you very much. And until next time.